Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, folks? Your boy Long Beach Joe, back at it again. Boy, what a loss that we suffered to the Broncos. Broncos just absolutely took care of business. I mean, it was completely crazy. We gave up so many points. Uh, the backup quarterback seemed to look like he was Joe Montana out there, just whipping the ball around. We gave up a lot of big plays, had a lot of defensive penalties. I mean, just things just just fell apart for us, just absolutely fell apart for us down the stretch. But I can't wait to talk talk to all of you folks. So, again, please call in 515-602-9639. So, listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook. Type in Long Beach Joe. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave us some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on the Long Beach Joe Show. So without further ado, folks, I'm going to go go ahead and get into the show because I'm I'm, I'm trying to be fired up. I am fired up to be here talking to everybody, but, you know, (laughs) it just just sucks being being a fan. But I'll tell you what, I'm fired up right now. I'm fired up, guys. I'm fired up. Listen, look, this team right now just – it just blew blew me away. This game blew me away. It started out, Sam looked, you know, solid. He was rolled out the pocket, um, you know, was able to break some tackles on a broken play, shrugged off a couple guys, was able to get – I think it was a 46-yard run down for a touchdown. So we were all excited. We were saying to ourselves, hey, you know, Sam's looking good. You know, even though it was a broken play, the offense got rolling. We got a score early. And then things just kind of fell apart after that. It was just, it was just nothing else going on. I mean, <laughs> it was completely crazy. Like the 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 defense just fell apart. They couldn't get things going. It was penalty after penalty. The offense just stuttered in the red zone. I mean, it just it, it was awful. The play calling was awful. Pierre Desir was getting beat constantly, constantly. Even though he got an interception. Uh, then he got us another interception later on in the game, ran that back for a pick six. We were in the game. Then guess what? Adam Gaze called a bonehead two-point two conversion play. That was awful. That play call was completely terrible. <laughs> and so that, that didn't work. And then from then on, we just gave up big plays, and we just found ourselves at the end of the day not being able to match the Broncos' intensity, intensity down the stretch, and we lost the game. We gave up a big play late to Melvin Gordon as well for a big run for a touchdown. It was like we just couldn't get out of our own way, man. We just couldn't get out of our own way. And the play calling again, the coaching from Adam Gage yet again was horrific. It was horrific. I just do not understand at this point, what is the point of still having this guy here? Why is he still the head coach of the New York Jets? I don't understand it at all. I don't get it. And and for the Johnsons or for their reports coming out, as well as Johnson's coming out saying that there'll be no change at the head coaching position. It just absolutely is a gut punch to the rest of the fan base. I mean, this is given, it's given the team, it's given the fans no hope. There's going to be no change. And we all know that the grand scheme of things, this is big time affecting Sam Darnold. You could see it in his face after the, after the press conferences, after the game, you could see how just beat down he is, how tired of everything he is. I mean, it's just, It's just completely ridiculous. But before we get into this game, um, I want to go to something really quickly that 
really affects me, something I'm, I'm big a part of, and that's breast cancer awareness. Uh, this year, I've partnered with the Susie G. Komen Foundation, and we're bringing, uh, you know, we're bringing the fight to breast cancer. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing whatever we can. I'm donating as well. I've started a GoFundMe or a fundraiser page, excuse me, for Susie G. Komen as well, which is all over my social media. Um, and, and we're bringing the fight to it. And so I want to bring a guest on. Um, her name is Alina Clavel. She's going to come on and she's going to talk to us about her experience uh, with cancer. And she's going to tell her story. So I'm going to have her on. Alina, I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, Joseph. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing today? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. I'm good. Okay. Okay. That, that, I'm good. That's Thank good you. to hear. That's good to hear. So, uh, again, I want to welcome you to the Long Beach Joe Show. I'm excited to speak to you. Everyone else is excited to hear from you as well. And for you to tell us your story and share, you know, your triumphant, uh, you know, win against breast cancer. My first question for you, though, is can you tell us about your diagnosis and how you received it? Sure, yeah. Um, I was young, so um, I actually – I'm going to just lead you up into the diagnosis just so you have a better understanding. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like to give a little bit more awareness to women or people who are younger um, and not what, knowing what to look for. So um, November 2014, I was uh, sick. I was, I had bronchitis, and I had lost about seven to ten pounds that month. Um, so I think that helped. Um, I kind of knew something was going on with my body. I didn't feel like myself, um, besides the the bronchitis. But on Christmas morning 2014, I felt a lump in my breast. Um, I had a little tickle on the side under my armpit, and I felt a lump. Um, surprisingly, I had just done a um, self-exam, like a, probably a couple months sooner, uh, because I found one of my grandma's old door stoppers, and it had um, ways of showing you how to, like, lay on the bed and feel for your, for your lumps. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Just for fun, I kind of just did that. I didn't feel anything at the time, and then so I was surprised. I was so surprised to feel it that day. Um, that day, I went over to my Tia's house, and she has uh, cystic breast. So she, we kind of just like swept it under under the rug and just assumed it was something similar. Um, but I had just got hired on at my job, and uh, my insurance just kicked in. So. I'm the type of, I have the type of personality that I worry, worry too much. And that was something that was constantly on my mind. And I, I know my body and I knew that something was different with my body. I didn't have energy. I felt exhausted. Um, so I went through with the, the doctor's appointment and my primary care physician, um, she did acknowledge the fact that she had some concerns. And so she sent me to go get an ultrasound. And when I got the ultrasound, the ultrasound technician told me, gave me 90 to 95% chance that it was not cancer. Um, I was too young, and we kind of talked about my family history. We didn't get too in-depth, but uh, it was one, something like, you know, it's it's not common. Um, I haven't seen it in my family, so it's probably something not to worry about. But the, the type of personality I have, again, I worry. So I asked a lot of questions, and one of the questions I asked them was, what did he see that made him feel that it was 90 to 90% chance not cancer? And why did he leave himself a 5 to 10% chance for error? 
And he told me that what he saw, what, what he explained to me was complete opposite of what I saw. And so I asked him to do a biopsy. I just kept advocating for myself. Um, he told me to come back in six to six months if it changes in size or shape. And for me, that was way too long. Um, so I just opted for the biopsy. And a week later, I was called and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. How important is early detection, Alina? Um, I'd have to say it's very important. Um, it gives you about a 93% uh, chance of, or higher survival rate in the first five years. I just made my five-year cancerversary from um, my mastectomy. Um, I haven't reached the five-year from chemo yet, but um, we're working, you know, to that. And I, I think that it just gives you a better chance of fighting, um, gives you more options with treatment, and it's it's the treatments have changed, and your oncologist will know best uh, what treatment would be be best for you, depending on whether or not you're estrogen progesterone positive or HER2 positive or negative. There's so many different types of breast cancer, and I think it's best um, if you're detected early to give yourself a full like range of treatments available, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, everyone, we're speaking with Alina Clavel, um, a breast cancer survivor working with the Susie G. Coleman Foundation. And again, Alina, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. It's a triumphant story. Um, how did your medical condition infect your, uh, affect your family, excuse me, and how were you able to get through some of the treatments? I think um, how I was able to get through the treatments I had, my dad and my Thea were like my huge support system. Um, my dad worked graveyard and was still able to be there every morning, almost every morning to pick me up for um, treatment for my chemotherapy treatments. He wanted to be right there. And I just always felt the love and support from him. Um, and I knew that he was part of, he felt the fight with me, you know, um, he went through it with me and he felt my lows, he felt my highs. Um, he was just always there to encourage me. Same with my Thea. She, from the moment we found out it was definitely cancer. Um, she's like a naturalist and a dietitian. So she gave me ways of um, teaching me how to help my body more naturally without, not with just, Western medicine, but also to feed my body and my soul um, with things that is, is necessary. Um, mm-hmm. So I eliminated some things out of my diet, like dairy, soy, um, sugars, processed foods, and I actually felt a little bit more energy at the time, so it helped me get through some a lot of my chemos. Um, and just having, like, my nurse family, I think that they were crucial of that was somewhere I ended up living for six months and actually eight months in total with the radiation but you know that your nurses staff become your family you get to see them and it's hard to actually say goodbye when it's all said and done um, because it's like a new life and you're just unsure of everything um, that's coming your way but um, I know my family was affected, and because it's a, such a surprise, we don't have breast cancer in our family. It doesn't run. Mm-hmm. We don't have the gene, uh, the BRCA gene one or two. So um, it was just something like very new for all of us. Um, 
And then I understand, you know, some of your family members will, they don't know how to show support or they're scared. And so they look the other way. And that is also, uh, I think, very important for people to know if they're not a breast cancer patient. Um, Of course, everyone is going to be different, but I think it's really important for you to reach out to the person that's going through this battle because um, at the end of the day, they might need more support than you think they do. And um, it's better for them to tell you what they need than for you to assume and then they didn't get what they needed out of it, you know? So I yeah. think that was um, some one thing that was really hard for me during my, my treatment. But um, I did have great support from my father. And uh, without him, I really I have no idea how I would have gotten through it so well. Okay. And what was your final treatment like? My final treatment, that was, um, it was so exciting. It was so nerve wracking. It was, there was a whole bunch of emotion all at once. Um, I, I, like I just said, um, your nurse family, your nurse staff becomes your family. And to go from being at the hospital two times a week, um, for hours at a time, it just felt so weird to say goodbye and like to not, you still want to see these people, but you know that the circumstance is so much better that you don't see these people. And, you know, to get to a three month, every, every three month checkup or an every six month checkup, it's, those are accomplishments. And it, it's just so sad because you want to see these people because they've been supporting you through your lowest point. Um, but they were there for a reason. And so I just, I think that last um, chemo treatment was just just exciting to get through and to know that six months had been behind me, those six months, and I can just turn over a new leap and figure out how to live my life accordingly. Yeah. yeah. And again, we're speaking with Alina Clavel of, uh, she's a breast cancer survivor representing the Susie G. Coleman Foundation. Please, anyone that's out there, if you're listening, give whatever you can to the Susie G. Coleman Foundation. There's many places you can donate. I also have a fundraiser page up as well. If you go to the Susie G. Coleman Foundation webpage, it's uh, coleman.org. Go to backslash Long Beach Joe. You can go there, give whatever you can to help breast cancer research, bring, uh, again, the fight for breast cancer awareness, and bring the fight to breast cancer. Uh, Alina, can you tell us how you got involved with the Suzy G. Komen Foundation? Sure. I was actually at a Women's Health Expo in Long Beach and for my, my best friend's daughter's, um, like, dance uh, recital. Or, and uh, she was with the Divas of Compton. And so they were performing there. And I happened to go downstairs, and I saw that there was a Susan G. Komen um, booth set up. So I just asked one of the women uh, if she was a breast cancer survivor and how to get involved. And we sat and talked and we exchanged numbers and they invited me into the circle of promise. That's a wonderful story there. What are some of the things that the Suji G. Coleman Foundation offers the community? Okay, so the circle of promise is um, geared towards African-American uh, women and men. Um, it's to help empower like women and men, uh, giving them the information and tools to take charge of their own health and 
also serve as ambassadors and like reach out to people in their own local communities. Um, and it's mm-hmm. designed to help end breast cancer forever. Um, so by giving more awareness, support, and empowerment in action. Um, and one of the reasons why they did uh, put this group together was because back in the 80s, um, breast cancer was, it was about equal between uh, white Americans and black Americans. And um, after 2001 to 2005, the African-American ethnic group had uh, actually increased 37% higher with their death rate. So they wanted to put something together that gears more to like giving knowledge and empowering other women, making them in charge of their own and advocate for themselves. Um, we're not, you can't expect to get 100% the best care ever. You have to listen to your body. You have to know yourself um, and push, advocate for yourself. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing about it, uh, breast cancer is you have to advocate for yourself and, and actually anything in general, just, you know your your body, you know your your life. You have to push if you know something's not right. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And and those those stats, wow, wow, you're you're really you're really bringing it home. You're really hitting home with me as well. Because uh, my family, I've also dealt with uh, breast cancer in my family as well. Um, I had a grandmother that dealt with it. I had other uh, women in my family that dealt with it. And that's why you know just speaking with you and hearing your story and hearing everything that you went through and, you know, how you're working again with the Suzy G. Coleman Foundation to continue to bring awareness, that really hits me right in the heart. But uh, so my final question for you is, how can our listeners get involved with the Circle of Promise? How can they help? Okay. Um, we Actually, if you go to Susan G. Komen's website, um, it's the, it's, I can give you the link. It's www.komen.org slash get involved slash circle of promise. Mm-hmm. And um, there's actually a link there where you can give your information and get involved with the circle of promise, um, become an advocate. And mm-hmm. um, there's also a couple other events that will be coming up. Um, there's tomorrow, tomorrow night between 6 and 8 p.m. The Pink Ribbons Caring is a special TV event for Komen Treatment Assistance Program. It will be on KCAL 9 and CBSN. Um, and, again, that's tomorrow night, October 3rd, from 6 to 8 p.m. And there's also wow. one of our advocates, um, Lakeisha McGee. She's amazing. I met her last year at a panel. Um, she's such a fighter, and she's, she has written a book with 11 other breast cancer patients or survivors. Um, There's also male included. And you can purchase a copy of her book, which is called 12 Shades of Breast Cancer by Lakeisha McGee. Um, And you can get that at www.lakeishamcgee.com. And it's spelled L-A-K-E-I-S-H-A-M-C-G-E-E.com. Well, thank you so much, Alina, for coming on and sharing everything, uh, all the information that you shared about the Susie G. Komen Foundation, Foundation and also sharing your story with us. It was very brave of you. Thank you so much for educating us and bringing even more awareness to uh, me and my listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, and can I say 
for anybody that does want to reach out if you're not comfortable like going through the foundation, if you'd like, um, my Instagram name is A Clavel, which is A C L A V as in Victor E L eighty five. My inbox is open for questions. If you just want to cry, if you just want to vent, um, or just want to talk to somebody that's gone through it, I'm open doors, open ears. Um, and again, my handle is a clavel eighty five on Instagram. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Alina. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. And I want you to have a good night. Thank you as well. Okay. Thanks good for having night. me, Joe. Wow, what a what a what a touching story from Alina. Um, again, Suji Komen Foundation, we're big supporters of, of that here, uh, big supporters of breast cancer awareness, uh, bringing awareness to you know those of you that that may not know too much breast cancer, as, as she's talked about as well. The stats, everything that's there, the numbers that are there, really affects a lot of people. So again, any way that you can, please give uh, the Suji G. Komen Foundation. I, I have it all over my. Uh, social media. I have a link there as well. Again, if you go to Coleman.org backslash go to backslash Long Beach Joe, uh, there's a donation page. Please go there and donate anything you can, a dollar, two dollars. It doesn't really matter. Uh, no, no, no. Do- every donation, big or small matters. So please go there and give any- everything that you can. Again, uh, that goes directly to the Susie G. Coleman Foundation. And uh, it's just all about, you know, fighting breast cancer, bringing the fight to breast cancer, fighting for breast cancer awareness, and also continuing to push forward in breast cancer research. So, again, I want to thank her for coming on. Phenomenal to speak with her. So now now that, you know, we, we dealt with a very uh, serious topic there, now we're going to go back and we're going to talk about this team. Now it's time to talk about the Jets. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me tell you something. This this team is 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 a mess. We just couldn't get a W. We just could not get a W. Couldn't get it in. I got a bunch of callers on the line. My chat boys, I'm going to come to you in a second. But this was a tough loss. It was really a tough loss for me, especially when you're looking at this was a banged-up Broncos team that did not have everyone that they needed to have to beat us at all. They were starting a guy that was a third-string QB, okay, a third-string QB in Rippin. He's chucking the ball around. We can't get to him soon enough, early enough. I mean, they were just kind of doing whatever. Pierre Desir getting beat consistently on defense. I mean, Patrick, a guy that I've never heard of, some big wide receiver just out there running. He's doing his thing. I mean, you, Desir got mossed by Jerry Judy, who I think is a phenomenal wide receiver, but he's a rookie. He's a young kid still trying to find his way, and he's able to make big plays over our corners. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. I, the defense heavily penalized as well. Big runs to Melvin Gordon, just giving up big plays left and right. The offense just couldn't get anything continuously going, especially in the red zone. We often stalled. It was just, it was bad. And it starts to, to bring you to a situation where you can't beat the Broncos. It's like, who can we beat? You know, <laughs> just it just, it hurts a lot. So, I'm going to get to the callers. My lines are stacked up callers. I'm going to come to you. Listen, everyone that's listening to the show, no matter where you're listening to me from, I greatly appreciate it. Do not call into my show cursing. I know this is a frustrating team to talk about right now. I understand we're all upset uh, about this team. We're all upset about these losses that are piling up. We're all upset that Adam Gaze is still the head coach. I think that's the biggest question is why is Adam Gaze still our head coach? But do not call into the show cursing tonight. I'm going to get you out of here as soon as possible. So first call I'm going to go to is 904-904. I'm coming to you. 
Let me know your thoughts on this game. Hey, what's going on, Joe? First, I want to say thank you to your uh, guest today, uh, Melina. I'm so glad that you're uh, a fighter and everything. To everyone who's listening, I hope you guys you take a moment to uh, hold your loved ones and uh, cherish that moment you are with them. And also, you may not know if someone out there you know is affected with this, so definitely do your research. Always look out for the ones around you. I have experienced something similar to this. Uh, I've lost a very close uh, person, my scoutmaster, actually, when I was in scouts, she was diagnosed with breast oh. cancer, and even though she beat it, she unfortunately it transitioned to uh, a brain tumor, which it ended up spreading. So, um, yeah. like I said, uh, thank you, Melina, for your story. It really opens my eyes, and it makes me remember and cherish the ones that I have with me. And I'm definitely going to donate. Thank you so much for supporting yeah. that, Joe. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much uh, for calling in. And, and again, I'm sorry for your loss, but thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, no, thank yeah, you for, absolutely. for sharing your story. Yeah, so, uh, let, all let, right. let, you know, so, talking about the yeah, Jets, though, <laughs> why okay, is Adam Gates so, still our head coach? I, because, because unfortunately, the, the truth is, the matter of the fact, the owner put his foot in his mouth. That's what he did. He straight up put his foot in his mouth. He came out in public. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joe Douglas didn't even know about that event that Christopher Johnson was going to do and was probably listening to the listening on TV or the radio on, on the other side, thinking to himself, what did I just, what kind of franchise did I just join? Did the owner really just do this on the second day uh, with the team's uh, record right now and talking about this coach and now all these news, that's what's going on. They, they put their foot in their mouth. I mean, guys, come on. You saw this game today. Sam Donald put the team on his shoulders. I I was I just cannot believe how this kid is still trying. When I saw his face after making that forty yard run touchdown, <laughs> I saw his face light up like a boy singing Christmas. Everyone was mm. all his off all his players were gathering around him like, Yeah, man, you're the MVP today. You're the guy today. And I guarantee you Sam Darnold probably would have been the player of the week and had he won had they won. But no this ridiculous play calling and all this and putting Beckton out there when you know he's hurt, you know? Oh man. I, I just Yeah, why you know, I, him? I'm a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I I I don't understand that at all. Just going to the Beckton. I mean, listen, Gaze first off, the play calling particularly in the red zone was awful. That two-point conversion play call was horrific. I, I just I don't know what this guy's thinking, and I don't understand what what does he have to do to lose his job at this point. I mean, what does he have to do? Right. We clearly can see that he is hindering this team. We clearly can see his play calls are hindering the offense. We clearly can see that his play calling is horrific. Coaching is hindering Sam Darnold. It's like, what else does this guy have to do to lose his job? But you talked to you, you talked a little bit about it. Is Sam Darnold? First off, that slam. Did you think that slam that Sam got? Did you think that was a penalty? Because I one hundred percent. I, I looked at it. One hundred percent. That was. They yeah. talking about us. They're talking about the Jets defense was beating up on the on the freaking uh, quarterback. Well, where's our call? Yeah. And I'm even more mad about Gates. Did you hear the conference when they asked him, Gates, how did you feel about that play on Darnold when they slammed him? Oh, uh, I, I wasn't there. And, uh, I yeah. You really? If that was my quarterback, I would be out in the field screaming at the referee, you better do something or I'm going to hit that player myself. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and now, now he's dealing with the sprained uh, shoulder, uh, the AC sprain on the shoulder. I was, I'm thinking, you know, I, I want to know from you, how do you think that they should move forward with that injury? Do you think they should maybe sit him a game and make sure that it's good to go, or do you think that they should just continue and continue to play him with that sprained AC joint? This is a good question right here because now this is going to kind of implicate what the Jets may be doing here if they decide to like hold Sam Darnold off. People are going to question now, are they trying to keep him healthy because they do believe he will be the future? He is coming back next year, and they want to keep him as healthy as possible? Or will they play him knowing that he may not be 100% and they're just trying to show people like, hey, you know, the game's got to go on. The game, they're trying to show that Sam Donald is worth a few picks or something. This is, these are questions we need to understand, and we need to keep watching how Sam plays because, like I said, watching Sam take advantage of plays that are breaking up and he's just – having to do it himself, he's trying to show this franchise and the fans Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what were your thoughts about how heavily penalized the defense was? Because I've never seen that was, they just played so undisciplined in this game. Am I correct? Disappointing. It was very disappointing. I really thought after last game with the Colts that Greg Williams would have brought in some more uh, fire and really brought it down on them. You know, to see those two interceptions, um, yes, they brought a little jump back in, but if you look at the plays, you know, they were throwaways. They were throwaway balls, and to just got lucky mm-hmm. to get them while he was in. So I'm very disappointed yeah. in Greg Williams. Very. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm right there with you. I mean, those Desir, like you said, those Desir. Uh, interceptions. Those were, you know, especially the pick six that were, they were able to get us back. But, I mean, he gave up big yardage. I'm talking big yardage to guys. He was getting beat constantly. Jerry Judy, the way that he was able to abuse Pierre Desir, and then Patrick, the way he was abused. But I want to get your thoughts on how we weren't able to get, get to ripping. We weren't able to, to put this guy in situations to make a ton of mistakes in this game. I mean, what were your thoughts about the way that we handled Rippin and how he was able to just chuck the ball around? I mean, he looked like the second coming of Joe Montana out there. He didn't look phased at all in his first start against us. It's clearly, again, I, and I brought this up last time when we talked right before the game, that this game is going to show us what kind of players we have and what they're trying to send the message. And clearly the mm-hmm. players are saying this. They're saying we are not playing hard enough because we do not want to play under these people. Either we don't want to play under the coaching staff or we don't want to play under this franchise because, honestly, you compare this to last year, you, that that should have been multiple sacks right there against this offensive line and against and against yeah. this quarterback. This is ridiculous. The pressure should have been twice, three times as heavy, and and it was yeah. hardly there. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man. I want to thank you for calling in. I'm gonna keep hitting these calls. This is a depressing time. <laughs> this team is, is, is tough to root for, but I, I I hope you have a good night, man. And thank you again for calling in. <laughs> Thank you, man. Go Jets and keep supporting out those uh, those in need. Bless you, bro. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You have a good night. Good night. Ah, what a call. I mean, he's he's clearly frustrated with the team the same way I am. Um, it was a rough night. I mean, everyone knows I live stream <laughs> during the during the games as well. And I mean, wow, it was it was it was tough. It was absolutely tough to watch this team 
play the way they played, the defensive penalties continuing to extend drives for them as well. That Jerry Judy touchdown came right after a defensive penalty that extended their drives and gave them a first down. I mean, it was insane. It was just insane to watch. And he touched on the Becton situation as well. The way it looked, Becton should have never been put on that field. He was not 100%. He wasn't even close. They ended up benching him anyway. He should have never addressed. They should have allowed him to continue to heal that shoulder up and played him when he was ready. Should not have, he should not have been put out there on the field. That's, that's on the staff. I mean, it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch this team play the way that they have. But I'm going to keep going to the calls. 917, when I go back to the calls, you'll be the person I'm speaking to. I'm going to go to the chat really quickly because let me tell you, I mean, it's insane. A lot of a lot of people just are are going off here in the chat. So first off in the chat, Jerry Johnson, salute to you, my man. Jerry Johnson says, defensive coaching problem. How many times do you let the seer get burnt before you take him out of out of the man to man? It was just tough, man. It was so tough to watch him get cooked play after play after play. And again, these are guys that, you know, some of these guys, Jerry Judy's a guy, of course, that's going to be in their starting lineup, but he was getting beat by guys that you know, we're coming in and we're dealing with injuries. He wasn't getting beat by the best of the best of what they had. It's like, come on, man. You're getting beat by just guys. <laughs> it's just insane. It's infuriating. Here's a guy that we signed to bring in to be our number one corner. It's like, come on, man. You've got to step up. I'm going to keep going to the chat. Brandon R. Turner says, I'm tired of fans saying that Sam has to step up. They want him to build a building with tape and gum. <laughs> Salute to you, Brandon. You know, I, I just don't understand what fans want Sam to do at this point. I just don't. Uh, I look at the situation. Listen, the kid got hurt. First off, he was getting hit all night, all night. Um, you know, Balaj missed some blocks that got him sacked. The offensive line, especially after Beckton went out, there was pressure all over the place. He used his feet many times to extend plays, get out of the pocket, get out of trouble. Um, and, and move the chains or pick up a first down. But let me tell you something again. We, we don't have what, what's necessary to make sure that Sam is successful. We don't. Let's, let's com- completely be honest here, okay? The, the protection is not there. The weapons clearly are not there. And the coaching is absolutely not there. And until you make a change, until you change what's happening and what's surrounding Sam, we'll continue to see the exact same results. You can't overcome everything. We've seen great players in this league struggle or have issues when one of those things is taken away. Imagine having none of those things, no protection, no weapons, you know, no, no great coaching. I mean, it's just insane. And he's a young QB that's still trying to find his way as well. And we see the flashes. That 40-yard run was phenomenal. There were throws he made in the game that were phenomenal. Him getting, after the slam, he goes into the locker room and comes out of the locker room, grit. He fought. He said, I'm not going to, I'm not just going to, you know, be put in the locker room right now. You're not going to take me out of this game. I'm going to play. Comes right back out with the sprain AC joint and plays. There's so many players that would not have done that. There's so many players that would just would have packed it in, called it a night and said, hey, you have a good one. I'm just going to sit down. No, he went out there and continued to fight for the team. So fans fans blaming Darnold, you know. I don't know what to tell you, but I just understand that there's a segment of this fan base that is just going to stream scream for Trevor. They're just going to. There's nothing you can do. So it is what it is. So I'm going to go back to the calls. Again, everyone, I know it's frustrating. This team is frustrating. I'm frustrated with this team. 
know, I'm complete, completely frustrated with this team. Not, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated with ownership. This is, this is on Chris Johnson as well. You know, Chris Johnson, his him and his idiotic brother, the two worst owners in all of sports. It's just ridiculous. They have no business owning the New York Jets. They have no clue what they're doing. They're completely incompetent. They make bonehead decisions. The fact that we even hired Adam Gaze to begin with is ridiculous. And the fact that you will not get rid of him is even more ridiculous. If we could fire owners, they, they, they'd be gone immediately, but we can't. And that's what sucks. We just have to deal with this nonsense. It's just completely ridiculous. So I'm going to go back to the calls. 917-917, I'm coming to you. Let me know your thoughts about this game. Hey, Joe, how you doing, man? It's Elias from Rochester. Elias, how are you doing today, man? How's everything going with you? That was brutal, man, to say the least. Man, I'm telling you. So just to get started, bro, it, it was brutal. But what were your what are your thoughts about Gaze still being the head coach of this team, even after what we saw, you know, against the Broncos? I mean, what is it going to take for him to lose his job at this point? They're clearly tanking. I. I really can't think of something else. Like, I th- I think Douglas is trying to lose and trying to build up, maybe try to tear the team apart or something. And like, I that's the only thing I could think about. I mean, you know, I'm hoping that that's not what he's trying to do. <laughs> I'm hoping that you know they'll they'll continue to build. But for you, it's like when you look at this situation and you're talking about the tanking and all those things. I mean. Isn't Joe Douglas kind of to blame for this as well? Because of some of the signings that we've seen him make have not worked out, right? Pierre Desir, not working out. Some of the guys he brought in, Van Roten. Van Roten was horrific last night. That's one of his signings. These guys are not working out. What are your thoughts on, on him and how much of this blame lies directly, uh, is, is going to be lied directly in his lap as well? I put a lot of blame on him. Like, he got Sam absolutely no weapons, and I, I find it hilarious yeah. that you know, on the one Jets Drive TV show thing, it says, like, and, like, how we, the whole thing about she told Sam's parents she'd get them weapons or whatever, and then it showed, like, clips of freaking Perryman and Frank Gore. Like, wow, we got a QB some weapons, man. And then over there in Buffalo, they just, you know, they got, like, a top ten receiver. No big deal. And we got a guy with five good games in his career. And a running back who's 37 who dates loves and just A-gap dies for days. Oh my god, that a gap that dude! I am so tired of that damn play. I am so tired of seeing that over and over and over again, bro. I, I, I want to jump off the bridge. I, I just want to jump I'm off the bridge, it. and you know, <laughs> dude, I, I I can't take it. I can't. I know you're used to it, but man, I cannot take it. I, I just I cannot take oh, it. I can't take it. Either, I am man. so tired. Say it again. What'd you say, Elias? Oh, I said I'm tired too, man. Yeah, you know it's it's just it's it's completely ridiculous, man. I'm just I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of losing in this fashion. I'm tired of losing the teams that are banged up that are not supposed to beat us the way that they're beating us. We gave up 37 points to the Broncos. 37. To an undrafted free agent, third string <sighs> quarterback. Man, I'm, I'm excited for next week. I got Kyler Murray on my fantasy team. I'm going to win next week. <laughs> oh, my God. My, my friend texted me. Asked, he said, is Kyler Murray untouchable on your team? I said, yes, he's playing the Jets next week. Oh, my God. That, that takes me over to the defensive side of the ball with you. What were your thoughts about 
how heavily penalized they were and the penalties, how much they just extended these Broncos drives. Dude, what the hell happened, man? This defense make, makes safety look like a premier in position. Because without Jamal, they're like, oh, Man, man, it, it, it was man. insane. What Penalty yeah. literally every play. It, was, yeah. it, it seemed every other. I think what it was like, you get a penalty, and you get a penalty, and you get a penalty, and you get a penalty. Like, that first plus on Austin, pass interference, he uh, was it ripping. He threw that ball way too high. I'm like, oh, this game's going to be a breeze. And then I saw the flag go down and saw the pass interference. I was like, oh, all right, one of these again. This should be fun. Mm. It was just, it was insane uh, to watch them, to watch their drives be extended by our bonehead plays. And I mean, it was rough in the past with constantly, like you touched on as well. Um, that Jerry Judy touchdown came off of a penalty right after oh, that penalty. They like launched that ball up and got. Yeah, I mean, it got a score. I mean, it was just ridiculous. We were so undisciplined, so undisciplined. Dude. I mean, Ogletree got a penalty. Even Quentin Williams, which his, his roughing the passer, I was like, eh, I was a little, you know, kind of on the fence about that. Dude, I, how I was, was that thinking roughing to myself, the passer I, I don't, when Sam didn't get a rough yeah, passer? Exactly. But then he grabs the guy's helmet, the face mask, he extends yeah, the, extend the drive for the men. It's just like just unacceptable stuff. It's unacceptable. It's and another player on the defense that was extremely unacceptable was Pierre Desir. The way he played yesterday, oh, he, he got two picks. One was a pick six. But he gave up, I think, 138 yards and two TDs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are your thoughts Desir's about the, the way he played, man? Desir's the reason oh. I hate stats. Because you look and you got, you got two interceptions, but he gave up, like, 400 yards. And, like, I <laughs> – like, yeah, he gave up a touchdown. I guess he redeemed himself by getting another one. Dude, he should be oh. cut. This team's going nowhere. Give the young guy a shot. I don't know. Give well, Austin Pert now what? You cut Harrison. Harrison's better than this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough, man. But I'm going to keep pushing, man, keep going through these calls, man. I want to thank you for calling in, man. I, this, this is a tough time. Thank you for calling in and, and speaking to me about the Jets, bro. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. And you have a good night. Yeah, you too, man. Man, what what a call. I mean, he's frustrated. All Jets fans are frustrated right now. We're all upset with what's going on out here. Again, why is Adam Gaze the head coach of this football team? Why is he still here? What purpose does that serve? If, if anyone actually believes in their brain, that getting rid of Adam Gaze will hinder Sam Darnold. I don't know what to tell you. I don't think that you uh, – <laughs> I don't think you watch Jets games. If you think that getting rid of Adam Gaze is going to hinder Sam Darnold, you don't watch Jets games. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. That's just completely ridiculous. But I'm going to keep going to the callers, all right? Um, but I got to get to my chat, guys. I got to get to them. Uh, Jerry Johnson in the chat says, at the end of the day, nothing gets better until we have competent coaching. Trevor, Sam, Jesus, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it won't. Until we have competent coaching, until we have a coach that understands how to utilize our offensive personnel, it's just, it, it's, it's not going to work. Until we have a coach that understands how to scheme fit for the players that we have on the team, said and done, man. Until we under, Until we have a coach that understands how to properly assess a critical moment 
and pull a victory out of the jaws of defeat. We're finished, man. We're finished. Uh, keep continuing to go with the chat. Everything Jets says, so disappointed in this team, bro. Salute to you, everything Jets. I'm disappointed as well, man. It's tough. It is tough being a Jets fan. I'm seeing it all across my timeline. I got other Jet. I got other fans, excuse me, of other teams making fun of me constantly. <laughs> They're laughing at me, telling me, "Hey, it doesn't matter. Adam Gaze is your coach. I can't wait to blow you out this year." <laughs> I have other fans telling me that. They're in my timelines. They're in my DMs, saying, "Hey, I can't wait to play to you. So and so is going to go to the Pro Bowl off this off your team." I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And this is all to blame on Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, Woody Johnson, the Johnsons, you guys are to blame. You made the, these horrific decisions. You continue to make horrific decisions for this football team, and it continues to pan out the exact same way with the players and the fans paying for it. It's completely ridiculous. Brandon R. Turner in the chat says, why is Balaj in the game? Miss, bu- miss blocks and tackles on kickoff. Give Perrine the ball. I don't understand why we haven't given P. Ryan the ball yet. Why are we not feeding that kid more? Why are we feeding, you know, and I love Frank Gore, but he's an old back. We need to get this young back in the game and allow and get him reps, get his explosion into game and give him time. What is the point? Why are we running plays for a 30 something year old running back? It's just, (laughs) just insane. It's Adam Gaze. I just, uh, bro, I, I can't take it. I'm going back to the callers, 516. I'm coming to you. Let me know your thoughts about this football team and this loss to the Broncos. Um, well, first of all, I called you yesterday, and I was the one who was arguing for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I take that back. I'm sorry, man. I don't know where I was, but I, I was tripping. Because I watched that game yesterday, and I'm telling you, you were right. There, There is way more than just Sam. Yeah, I, 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 I eat my words. You were right on that, man. First off, I want to thank you for calling it. Listen, I, you know, I'm down. <laughs> the Jets have hurt me. And, and, I, you know, like I said, even when we were going back and forth, I understand why some fans have been led to believe that this is squarely on the shoulders of Sam Darnold. I, I understand it, but let me tell you, like you found out last night, there is way more going on on this team than you know than Darnold. There, there's, there's this coaching is horrific, and so that's where I want to start with you. When you look at this situation, how is Gaze not fired already? In your opinion, there's only I mean, one. Go ahead. There's only one plausible solution. They have to be tanking. Or they're either tanking or this is what I heard coming out of the Jets camp. They said the executives, I don't know, they said that they believe that firing Gase midseason could potentially ruin the confidence of Sam Darnold and the rest of the team. I'm thinking to myself, what world are they living in? Like, no, I'm actually con- I'm I'm actually confused. I don't know how someone could be that deluded. Like 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 it's like it's ridiculous. Greg Williams should be embarrassed after what happened yeah. last night. Purposely roughing the passer? What's that Bush League? You can't do that. That's embarrassing. Yeah. That's Bush yeah. League. Yeah. If, I, if I mean, they it's were just, doing that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. 
Yeah, continue. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, it's frustrating, and I get it. It, it. That that was completely ridiculous. And either the defensive play calls, the the fact that he was leaving, you know, Pierre Desir that was out there getting beat consistently, that was ridiculous. The penalties, the undisciplined play, the penalties killed us, especially defensively. Just continuing to extend their drive, it hurt us so much. It was so bad. Just everything was just so bad. But one of the things that really pissed me off as well, going back to the offensive side of the ball was the fact that they let Beckton go out there with that shoulder injury, and then it seems like he aggravated, possibly re-injured it, and now he's back. What are your thoughts, or back on the bench, what are your thoughts about the way that they handled Beckton's shoulder injury? Terrible. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. They've always had issues. Like last year, remember with Kalichi or Samale, yeah. they said his injury wasn't that serious and that he didn't need surgery. And then what happened was he actually did need surgery. Remember that mess last year? Yeah, I remember it. I remember it. I, I mean, that that's just a mess. And you know what's even crazy? The fallout from that is you're going to have a lot of players that aren't going to be willing to come here. Because, look, this is repeated stuff. You talked about the Colicio Simmons. They didn't just do that. They, uh, Joe Douglas also sent blank MRIs to his doctors as well. He came out and he talked about that. I mean, it's just ridiculous, the handling of Beckton's injury. Mind you, he's one of the brighter spots on offense. He's one of the kids that he's we're looking insane, at right now. With that. Yeah, it's, just, it's insane. Why wouldn't you just sit him for a game and allow this kid to heal up if you know that that shoulder's not right? He should have never dressed. He should have never been out there. It was just completely ridiculous, completely ridiculous. The only reason – I just don't – go ahead. Only reason I could oh. think, because Beckton, I mean, he's just—he's a monster. I'm telling you right now, he stabilizes that line. That line goes from below average with Beckton out there, because it's still not good with Beckton out there. Yeah. Van Roten stinks. George Fant stinks. I knew George Fant stunk with the Seahawks. I don't even know why we signed him to the first place. Oh. It, it, there's oh, you know, there's a reason why Russell Wilson runs all over the place, and we have yeah. three fifths. We have a really good left tackle an okay left guard in Alex Lewis, and an okay center in Connor McGovern. But the, the right side is god-awful. And when you have three-fifths of an offensive line with a quarterback who is notorious for having bad footwork, it's, it's, just, um, it's just a mess. And It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It is a recipe for disaster. That offensive line, not just that, but a, a, a quarterback that has also had to deal with, especially last year, getting hit constantly. We, we talked about that, too. That Patriots game, he talked about seeing ghosts. He, you know, we understand, hey, we got a young QB. We're trying to mold him. We're trying to build him. We're trying to make sure he doesn't get shell-shocked and all those things. And now, you know, he's got pressure in his face. And, I mean, even Balazs, Balazs missed two blocks. One of them, oh, my God, it was a – I think it was a safety blitz that came down, and he just – that safety just blasted Sam, just unloaded on him, 47 for the – They Broncos, need to play P-Ron. I want to see P-Ron. I have no idea why they're I mean, not playing P-Ron. Frank Gore should be put in as, like, a power back on, like, third and three or second and three with that little yeah. A-gap run which you mentioned earlier. It, they never do a run to the outside. I've not seen one outside zone play yet out of this team. Like, no. what is this? What are you running? Yeah. What are you doing, Gaze? Yeah. Come on. I, 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 I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. But, man, I want to thank you for calling in. You, you spit the fire. Had a lot of great takes, man. You have a good night. You too, Joe. Thank you. All right. You have a good, good night. All right.
Man, what a call. Every fan is frustrated. We're all frustrated. This team is is caca. Just man, I just I can't I can't I can't I can't deal with this team right now. We we allowed the Broncos, a third string undrafted quarterback came in, chucked the ball around and put up 37 points on us. Wow. Just wow. That's all I can say. I'm going to go I'm going to get back to the callers 347 when I get back. I'll be talking to you, also followed by uh, 845 and, and 984. But listen, I'm going to get to this chat because the savages in the chat, they're just, they're going crazy. So I, I, I got to talk to them. Uh, Vincent in the chat says, top three worst things last night. One, playing Becton. Yes, that was very bad, Vincent. He should not have played. Two, was leaving Darnold in. I mean, Darnold came back with that shoulder stuff. But three was the personal fouls. Oh, my God. The personal fouls. The penalties, I mean, just inexcusable stuff. And the thing about it is we're not good enough to overcome that stuff. We're not a good football team. We're not the Saints. We're not, you know, any of those other teams out here that are built well enough to say, okay, you know, one, two penalties, three penalties, we can overcome that because we have the offensive personnel. Hell, even those teams go, hey, we don't want to be penalized at all. It doesn't matter. We want to play clean. We go out here and give up almost 100-plus yards in penalties. It's just ridiculous. And so many of those penalties came at just times when it was critical. We should have got them off the field, and we couldn't do it because it was a, a, a rough in the passer, a pass interference, just some, some type of personal foul, just completely ridiculous. Oh, Vincent says, I'm also, uh, I'm so over Frank Gore in this nonsense. No disrespect. Yeah, I just don't understand. We need to be feeding Pirine at this point. Why is this kid not getting more snaps? Why is he not getting any more opportunities? <sighs> Going back to the chat, everything Jet says, that real, re- wheel route in the, in the red zone was horrific. If you swapped roles of Balaj and Gore and Pass Pro, might have worked out different. Yeah, listen, everything, everything you just said was factual. That wheel route was terrible. It was terrible, but that's that's Adam Gaze's red zone play calling. It's it's been bad. That's why we're so bad. That's why we can't score points. It's just completely ridiculous. I'm gonna go back to the callers. Three four seven. I'm coming to you. Let me know your thoughts on this game. Joe, great. To, How's it going? Great to hear from you. Second day in a row. Thank thank you uh, for for calling in, man. Listen, this is tough. This situation is tough. This team losing to the Broncos, it's terrible. But let me get your thoughts on this. The defense, the defensive penalties, man. How did you feel about them? Well, I mean, apparently Greg Williams is doing the um, T-gate again, but he's doing it the other way. So I guess he said extend plays instead of stop them. So, I mean, all, all, all jokes aside, though, that was the most undisciplined uh, defense that I've ever seen Greg Williams put on the field. He must be overly embarrassed about yeah. the performance yesterday. And, like, when they called Quinn and Williams for uh, roughing the passer, I thought that was a little BS call. But, I yeah. mean, everything else is like, why are, do you guys insist on doing these silly, stupid penalties? 
that are so avoidable yeah. if you're trying to win a football game. Why? Just made no I, sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. We we just got in our way on so many drives. It was ridiculous. But I also want to get your thoughts on the play of Pierre Desir. I mean, that guy just 138 yards and two touchdowns he gave up. It's just ridiculous, right? D. Millinger was somewhere laughing, saying, remember when I was that guy? So, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he had, okay, he had the two picks, right? <laughs> The first yeah, one yeah. was a gift because the because Brett Rippin didn't know that you could just throw the ball out of bounds, I guess. Um, so yeah. he got gifted that one, and I and I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him his props because he hung in there. He did the whole, you know, on the tiptoes to keep the ball in. But yeah. besides that, it's like okay, it's like you know you you did that, and then you just gave away the game on the other end. It just yeah. Made, after a while, shouldn't it have dawned on Greg Williams to say, maybe we should put somebody else to be <laughs> up on that guy because clearly he's not working out. Like, I, what? what? What is it that, that, that we're watching, the whole nation is watching, anybody who's ever seen the little giants is watching, that these guys aren't seeing on the field that they're like, you know what? We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. It's going to eventually work, I swear. <laughs> I, it's just it's just absolutely crazy. I just don't understand it at all. And I want to go to the offensive side of the ball with you. What are your thoughts okay. about the handling of Beckton's shoulder injury? I mean, he shouldn't have been out there playing at all, right? Okay. We've played four weeks of football, Okay. First week, Le'Veon Bell, hamstring problem. Shouldn't be playing, let's put him on the field. Beckham, <laughs> shouldn't have been playing yesterday, let's put him on the field. Sam Darnold, gets slammed down like it's an XFL game. Leaves with his arm hanging that I thought he had a broken collarbone. And I'll, yeah, and, and then, I he did well, And they put him back on the field. And now Gase is talking about how he could be out for three or four weeks. So why did you let him continue playing? But the question's about Beckton. The guy was our number one draft pick in the first round this year. Okay? And when he was, when he, when he was told, you know, when he said he wasn't going to dress or he couldn't play, you should have left it that way. When the other guy got hurt, you can't ask a football player, are you good? Because, of course, they're going to say, I'm good. You have to make yeah. the decision as a head coach. Not stay there with your head stuck on your little plastic paper that has done nothing for you for, for, since you've been here. And that's, I'm talking about Gates yeah. on that one. That was yeah. an internal call. Yeah. And, if, yeah. and if Sam Barnell now has to sit out for two, even one week, that right there should be enough to say you're fired. Like, yeah. what else do you have yeah. to do? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that that's that's the big question for me is at this point, what else does he have to do to get fired? I mean, anyone trying to convince me that it's a hindrance to Sam Darno to fire this guy during the season is ridiculous. I, I just that, – that that excuse is so ridiculous. It's almost like you're, you're telling like, – like you're telling me I'm stupid. You, you, you're almost trying to right. feed into the fact that you think I'm unintelligent. Like, I don't watch the games. 
<laughs> like I'm not seeing what's going on out here. I'm seeing the fact well, that Adam Gaze is the problem. He's the problem. He's the reason why guys aren't being put in positions to be successful offensively. He's the reason why Sam Star- Sam Darnold has struggled. His play calling, the system, it does not fit him, and he's doing nothing to help Sam whatsoever. At all. And it's a shame because what it's going to take for people like Adam Gase to stop being head coaches of football teams is for uh, Christopher Johnson and his brother to stop buying football teams because it's clear that the Jets (laughs) is not really about uh, winning culture. They're more about we need to control the guy that runs the team. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I want to say before I go, I want to I want to say I know you always appreciate us for coming, calling, chatting, doing all that good stuff. I want to say yeah. I appreciate you because you live out in Los Angeles and you could have been cheering for a much better football team, but you decided to cheer for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, again, and, thank you for calling in, and thank you. Uh, you know, I appreciate the kind words. You know, I. I picked them, so I'm sticking with them. But let me tell you, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, especially yeah. all the way out here. Because, oh, man, let me tell you, people try to rip me apart when they see me in that green. And I just have to deal with it. Because, like you said, there are much better football teams to root for out here. Oh. <laughs> so, and it's one tough. last thing. I just want you to investigate for me. If we possibly hired the Chargers team doctor, because that's the only <laughs> way that these guys are are being allowed to go out on the field. <laughs> so, oh man, I you know I don't know, man, but uh, I want to thank you for calling thanks. in, man. You have a good night. You have a great night, buddy. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> thank you. Oh man, what a call! <laughs> he called in, had a lot of fire. Man, it's tough, man. It is really tough being a Jets fan right now with this team looking the way that it's looking. It's just, oh. I'm gonna go to the chat really quickly. Chat boys, I'm coming to you. We're going to cover some of the things you folks are talking about in the chat. Uh, Will in the chat, your salute to you, Will. Will says, Gaze needs to be relieved and take his <laughs> Gaze players with him. Trash. <laughs> Will also says, Chris Johnson is hurting his team more than Gaze. This should be an easy decision. Yeah, you know, it's mind-boggling. It's completely mind-boggling that Chris Johnson won't step up and put all his ego aside or whatever it is, just put it aside and help this football team. Help it. And you can help them by getting rid of Adam Gaze. Point blank, period. It's completely ridiculous. So we'll continue on with the calls. 845, I'm coming to you. Let me know what you think about this football team, the way they're playing, the loss of the Broncos. Let's talk about it. Hey, Joe, man, big fan. Um, my name is CT, and I'm um, down here in Florida. But I'm a Jets fan, man, and I think that um, right now it's tough being a Jets fan. I know I'm going, going to hear and go over here and join the therapy session. I want people to have hope, though. You know, um, I know it's really bleak to say that right now, but uh, it, it, it's, I mean, right now I, I think the problem is beyond just um, the coach. I think it's beyond just the players. I feel like there's a issue with the heart of the team because there's physical ability mm-hmm. on the team. You see Sam. I actually do kind of like Pierre this year. He was in place to make that pick. He just got lost by Jerry Judy 
and, but he was in the spot to make the play. Um, there are bright spots here and there with Beckton, of course. We have Le'Veon Bell. I think there's a heart problem. I think that some of that left when Jamal left the team. Um, maybe Le'Veon would have been that this year as a young guy on a team that with some heart and, like, as a leader to get people riled up and want to play. But I don't see that in our team right now. I don't see that. I don't see anybody that really wants to win. And that's um, something that speaks to not only – that does speak to the coach because – the coach has to instill some kind of heart in the team to want to go out there and battle. Yeah. Cause I'm sure that the other guys on the other side of the team, the other team is going yeah. to have people over there rallying up the guys to go to war, you know? Yeah. So yeah. when you have Gase there, who's an offensive yeah, yeah. guru, I, I mm-hmm. don't, not sure about that, but I do see that there are places he's dialing up that guys are open, you know? So I don't think that he has the, the mindset of a head coach. Maybe he's more like an offensive coordinator, but a guy who's going to – we need a coach that's going to rile the guys that the guys want to fight for. And he's definitely not mm-hmm. that not that guy. He has an attitude. He has an arrogance about him. You don't want to go to work and, and work for the guy. You know, so yeah. that goes to speak to the head office as well. If they're coming with a higher holier-than-thou attitude, which they always have, and talking down on the players, you're not going to want to go in and fight for the team. So somebody has to come in, whether it's a player, coach, or somebody in the, in the staff to say, hey, guys, we're going to have your back, and we're going to go out there and fight day in, day out, that they want to root for, you know, that they want to say, you know what, I'm excited to come in here and be a Jet, put on this helmet, wear the green and white, and get out there and play my best football, regardless of who was on our squad, play my best football. Mm-hmm. Because clearly right now they're not. They're undisciplined. Um, the offense obviously is just not clicking, you know, So and there's injuries. So, well, that, yeah, yeah. Well, well, first off, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but first off, uh, for, you know, I want to thank you for calling in. Uh, you, you're spitting a lot of knowledge right now. Listen, I hear what you're saying. You started off with the Jamal stuff, him being gone, uh, the leadership is gone. But like you said as well, and that was going to be my main point, was look, yeah, okay, Jamal's gone, but there's other guys in this locker room, though. It's not just Jamal. There's, we have team captains, you know, guys like Fant. Uh, you know, Sam's there. Like you said, Le'Veon Bell, he's, he, he's hurt. He's not playing right now, but he's, you know, he's still in the facility. He could be there talking to the guys, yelling. And, again, a lot of that falls squarely on the shoulders of the coach. The head coach should be the rah-rah guy. When you look at, when you look at the Patriots, right, and we all hate them. We all do, all right? We resp- I respect them, but I do hate them. They're in the division. They've been dominating for a long time. Guess who sets the tone there? Guess who sets the tone for the culture? It's the coaching. Belichick. It's Belichick. Period. Yeah. Right? I agree. I agree. Player, You're no right. matter no, what no. player they get, no matter what player they lose, right, who sets the tone there? Belichick. He's the guy making saying, listen, you need to be ready for this game. He's the guy coaching those guys up. He's the guy firing those guys up. You literally look at the – when they played us last year – well, he he was in the sidelines. He was in those guys' ears. Listen, when I tell when I tell you when I call this play, you just better go. I shouldn't have to tell you what to do. Those guys were running through yeah. brick walls for him. So I, look, I get it. Jamal's gone. I, I get that. But guess what? There there were some issues with Jamal too. He clearly did not want to be here either. Is that that's neither here nor there? Of course. But the coaching must I don't step harp up. On the Jamal Point blank. Period. Yeah, I the, hear, the, I the coaching's got to step up. Yeah, and, and the play calling. Yeah. Listen, the play calling for me when I watch. When I watch Adam Gaze call plays throughout this game, they're horrific. They're horrific. Okay. The way that he, he sets Sam up, he's not setting Sam up for failure, for success, excuse me. For instance, let's look at that, that play call in that two-point conversion. That was terrible. It was terrible. And that's at a critical time during the game. We're trying to tie the game. We've had issues scoring yeah. all game. We got gifted a pick six, Right. We've had issues, particularly, especially in the red zone, again, because of the play calling, the, 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 the dives. 
the, the, the running back dives that he loves to call, all these same bubble screens he loves to call. We're struggling. And, and the, the numbers show it. You watch the game. You can see that as well. So now here you are in a critical point in the game. You're supposed to be an offensive guru. That is your title. Okay, you're an offensive guru. That was you. That's what you were brought in here for, because you're supposed to understand offense. You were called a brilliant offensive mind by the owner of the Jets. Here is a critical point in the game where we need two points. Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Sean McVay. Do you think they would have drawn up and called a play like that for a two point conversion? No, they would not have done that. They wouldn't have done it. The same issue that we had against the Niners, fourth and seven, you kick a field goal. They ask you why. You tell us you don't have a play called up that you think can get you seven yards against that defense. Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, Doug Peterson, do you think any offensive mind in the league would have said that? No, they would not have said that. Uh-huh. That's why I can continue. We can go down the street. Last year, there were games where he would make bonehead play, bonehead play calls, bonehead decisions that would cost us games. I, I don't believe in his play calling. And, and like you said as well, I don't believe in him as a head coach either. We should have never have hired him at all. That offensive guru tag, I understand that there's injuries, and you talked about those yeah. as well. I watched Doug Peterson take an eagle squad that was missing all of its starting wide receiver cores. All of them. They were all hurt. All of them. And he had guys that were not starting on his offensive line either that were playing. Guys that he had gotten Mm -hmm. like the week of or a week before. And he was going in and beating teams with those guys. And not bums. He was beating really good teams because he would fit his offensive scheme and personnel, or he would fit his offensive scheme to the personnel that he had and he would win games that way. He would out-scheme people. Injuries happen in the NFL. It just is what it is. If in, look at I again, look at what Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. If he was just packed it in once Wentz went down, they wouldn't have did that. He continued to play. He changed his offensive scheme to fit Foles and his skill set and what he did well. Guess what? They got themselves a ring because of it. We've seen the Patriots do the you same are, thing are. constantly. So it's like no, we, we he's got to go. Yeah, we need that, that, that's the, the main team. problem. Like you, dude, you're hitting the nail on the head. We need an identity. You know what the problem is? Adam Gaze's offense doesn't have an identity. I told people this when we first hired him. And I'm not just saying that myself. There were Dolphins players that used to say that. Jawan James, a veteran tackle that used to play with, with, with Adam Gaze as the head coach, came out in an interview with, right before he got fired from the Dolphins and told, it, told the media, the problem is we don't have an identity offensively. This is an offensive tackle telling the media this. We do not have an identity offensively, so when things don't go well for us, we don't know what, what to go back to. We don't, we don't have anything true, that we can, we can hang our hats on. That's the same but issue we have in here. Have quarterback. I will say we do have yeah. the right quarterback. I, I believe Sam is very young. and he I'm sorry, shows, No, I, I think Sam is very young, and he has spots of brilliance. So I want to give the fans some hope in that. that I think we have found the guy. I think if we get yeah. the first pick or second pick, we trade down, get Jamar Chase next year, and get him some weapons, get them play. People forget this is a team sport. 
You can't just say this one guy is going to change the whole franchise. But I do believe that Sam yeah. has been better than Geno Smith or Mark Sanchez. Or uh, Honestly, I think he has a bright future. I think if he were to leave the team, he'll ball out somewhere else, honestly. But um, yeah. uh, going forward, I, I know it's tough being a Jets fan, man. I, w- I want people to – it's going to be a tough year. Don't get me wrong. But we got to look at the bright <laughs> spots that we're seeing. <laughs> but, you know, give us – I hear you, man, but, you know, it, it's tough. We just hold on it to the, the, the single players we can build one for the future. Yeah, yeah. And so my, my next question for you, I know we, we're talking about, you know, Adam Gaze and we talked about the offense. But what were your thoughts about the handling of Becton's injury? I mean, that shoulder, he should have never been out there playing, right? You're right. You're right. Um, honestly, I think that that's another problem with the team. Like, our training staff, we have, like, Kelechi last year, the last caller brought up a great point that Le'Veon was put back in the game earlier this year. Um, uh, and now we have Becton situation and, and even the Sam's situation. I think that if you're not you're saying, hey, guys, we're, we're actually going to take care of you and save you from yourself – that's another thing where people say, hey, man, the whole squad's getting injured. They really don't care about us. They just want us to win games so Gase doesn't get fired. And then they start talking, yeah. and, you know, they don't really want to go out there and play. So um, that's another thing. The staff that's just, like, you know, training these guys or say, or the coaches need to be like, hey, we need to be able to protect our guys from, the, from themselves. It's, like, common sense. But especially when you're 0-3, like, at this point and your team is trash, like, just let, let them sit out and, and save them, you know. Don't, don't beat them up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. We'll see how they handle uh, Sam Darnold's shoulder going forward. I mean, I I don't want them putting that guy back out there if he's not ready. There's no reason to either aggravate that that AC sprain either, you know. They could ruin his career. Yeah, they could. So, But, man, I want to thank you for calling in, man. Next time I do my show, bro, I would like to hear from you. You're a great caller. You had a lot of fire takes. Oh, man, thank you, man. I love the show, man. Keep doing your thing. All right. Thank you so much. You have a good night, man. Peace. Oh, what a great caller. I mean, had a lot of great takes. I'm just, you know, this, this Adam Gaze, he's going he's gonna to drive me crazy, bro. I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. If, if I go insane, it's going to be because of Gaze. I'm telling you, it's going to be because of Gaze. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I don't understand how he's still here. I don't understand how we're how we're even thinking about this guy continuing to be the head coach of the Jets. I just, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how we're looking at a situation where he is literally hindering the future of our franchise. He's putting us in a situation where, oh my God, where we're struggling offensively. We are literally struggling. We had the worst offense last year. Statistically, and if you watch the games, we were horrific. It wasn't even close. We were terrible. We were terrible offensively. And then we come in here and we're just as bad as we were last year. It's the same thing. I know my lines are on fire right now. I'll come back to the callers. 984, when I come back, you'll be first up. I'm going to go back to the chat because the Savages are just going ham right now. Salute to FM. Uh, you know, people tell me they love me in the chat. I love you folks as well. I want to thank everybody for listening to me or watching me, no matter where you're watching or listening from. Really, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's a tough time here. Really tough time. Vincent in the chat says, our punter had the best tackle of the night. Man needs to go to, sh- 
man needs to go to defense to show these boys how to tackle. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, man did save. He saved that. He saved that run back because that guy was definitely going back to the house off that return. He was going, he was going to, he was definitely going to score a TD. Thank goodness our punter grabbed him and was able to bring him down. Because let me tell you, the defense, they just couldn't, couldn't tackle anybody. They could not stop anybody. It was insane, man. Insane. And I'm going to go back to the callers. I mean, wow. Go back to the callers. 984, I'm coming to you. Let me know your thoughts on this game and how you're feeling right now as a Jets fan. Nine eight four is on you. Hello? I guess nine eight four, he's so upset as well. He's saying, Hey, I'm so upset, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it all. <laughs> he's ready to go as well. He's 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 upset. He's tired of it. He has no words. He has no words for gays. He was so mad. Everyone is so mad they're calling in. They just they don't even know what to say. They're just beside themselves. They just want to remain silent because they're so upset about the New York Jets and the way that Adam Gaze is, is coaching. And the fact that Christopher Johnson will not make a change, he will not make a change as far as coaching is ridiculous. And the excuses the excuses are even more ridiculous. I don't want to hinder Sam Darnold's. Uh, I don't want to hinder Sam Darnold. Be more of a hindrance to Darnold and his growth. Please stop. Please stop. You not getting a real offensive mind in here. You not getting a real head coach in here. You not getting someone that can understand how to really better a young quarterback skill and skill set. That's what's hindering Sam Darnold. That's what's hindering the team. Going to go back to the chat. Juan Gotti, talking sports. Yo, salute to you, Juan Gotti. Juan Gotti says, the Jets stink. Yeah, they do. They do, Juan. We just got beat by a team. Oh, my goodness. We just got beat by a team that was banged up with a third-string undrafted quarterback that came in and just whipped the ball around. Simply Austin says the offensive guru ran the ball on second and 30. You know, he's done, so, he's done stuff like that before. He's done stuff like that before. It's just insane, man. It's just absolutely insane. Just don't understand it. Just absolutely don't understand it. <sighs> Mr. Green in the chat says, Bro, how is Adam still here? I just don't understand it. Like, is there anything the Jets fans can do? You know, the Johnsons don't want to do anything. They sure don't. Because if they did, this wouldn't be happening. Chris Johnson has got to use his brain. Make a change. Make a change, man. It's completely ridiculous. Just, I'm so frustrated. The future of this football team is really, it's, it's hanging in the balance. And you got a clown at the head of it. And you got clowns running the show as well in ownership. Our ownership is horrific. Completely terrible. So with that said, folks, come to the end of the show. I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. And shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook. Type in Long Beach Joe. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. 
message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, we need some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on the Long Beach Joe Show. I'm also on Twitter as well at youngj 30 Go ahead and follow me. I'll follow you right back. You want to troll me? No issues. I'm the troll that lives under the bridge, and I will troll you right back as well. And I'll have my Donald jersey on. Hopefully they let him heal up before they shove him back into a game and really risk him getting injured even more than he already is. You can also follow the show's Twitter as well on Twitter at the Long Beach Joe. Follow, I'll follow right back. We can go back and forth, talk about football, talk to me, I'll talk right back. I'm also on YouTube as well at Long Beach Joe Jets. Long Beach Joe Jets. Subscribe to my content on there as well. I make videos, talk about the Jets, live stream through there as well. You can beat the live stream through there. You want to troll me on there as well, I'll troll you right back. I love going back and forth with folks on there. And as always, people, when you see me in person, it is arms out, chest open, free hugs for everyone. Free hugs. It's a tough time, man. It's so tough being a Jets fan right now. But the hugs the hugs will remain free. They will. We need hugs in these times. I'm also, again, a big supporter of Suzy G. Komen Foundation. I want to thank Alina Claybell for coming on, sharing her story with us. Also, you know, bringing awareness to, to breast cancer as well, breast cancer as well. And again, anyone, that could, please go support the Susie G. Komen Foundation. If you go on the Susie G. Komen Foundation, type in the lacounty.info slash org backslash go to backslash Long Beach Joe. It's also plastered all over my social media everywhere. Please donate if you can. You know, any, any donation that you can give, big, small, doesn't matter. It's all appreciated. We got to get in this fight against breast cancer, fight for breast cancer awareness, fight for breast cancer research. So I want to thank you folks for listening. You folks have a good one.